Hello and welcome to Off Bear Shelf Reviews. I may be mad, but I reckon this movie should have won an Oscar. And I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss Oscar, which released in 1991, based on a play by Claude Magnier, with a screenplay by Michael Barry and Jim Mulholland, and directed by John Landis. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Sylvester Stallone's character, Angelo Provolone. He's the mob boss of a certain little gang, and he's been asked by his dying father, Kirk Douglas, to try his best to go straight. As Angelo prepares to meet with some bank directors and join their board legally, he has to deal with a bunch of different incidents running around his house involving his daughter, his linguist, and his accountant. He's back again for the third time. And now he's got a little black bag. Break out the job on the sinkers, boys. I think I'll stick around. Now, I think it's no surprise, really. We're kind of huge fans of Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. Like from his uh, crime dramas where he's in prison. Yeah. However, he's fighting around the world in Rambo. Yeah. However, he's punching the lights out of He-Man <laughs> <laughs> or Thunderlips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd watched almost anything with him in from Demolition Man yeah. to Daylight. Yeah. To uh, even some of his crappy later releases. Yeah. Uh, but there's a few of them that... I remember seeing as a child and utterly forgetting mm -hmm. this being one of them. I I never really actually seen this one. I mean, I think I caught like a little bit of it a couple of months ago. It was on film four and I just saw Sylvester Stallone running around dressed as a 1930s gangster in this house and all this crazy shit was going on. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, I thought I'd seen everything Stallone had put out, but obviously I, I, I've, I don't, I don't even think I've seen the one where he's the arm wrestling champion. So I still need to see that one. But yeah, this movie, I was like, what the hell? So when it appeared on the list, I was like, yes, finally. And man, I had so much fun with this. Like, like we can talk about. You know, the Judge Dreads, the Demolition Mans, the Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, the Tango and Cashes, you know, the, 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 the Escape Plans, you know, the Rambo movies, the Rocky movies. And, like, we've spent a lot of time deciding, is Sylvester Stallone a really good actor or, or is he just lucky with certain his roles? And part of me goes, no, he's just really fucking good. Yeah, he is really good. And... I would also say, but I don't think he's really good in this film. <laughs> now, now this is a film where Sylvester Stallone plays the only straight man, really. The only, yeah, the straight man. Whereas everybody else around him are the lunatics. These are all the crazy people. <laughs> yeah. So, like, basically, like, it's all on him to sell all of the crazy that's going on around him. And he does that. And he does that. Admirably. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he has much to do in this film other than shout and look confused <laughs> the entire time. And, it's, he, and he's pretty much one note. Doesn't he do that in Rocky as well? Shout and look confused? <laughs> yeah, but there's, a, there's more story and more character going on there than yeah. what we have here. Now, yeah. I will also say the first 20 minutes of this film did everything that it could to put me off wanting to enjoy the rest of it. Right. I found it really slow, really awkward 
uh, and it didn't didn't gel right. And I was like, this is obviously supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. But I'm just not getting it. And that's probably what a lot of people will say to me with this, with my feedback on, on this film is that I probably didn't get it. And we always say this when it comes to comedy. Yeah. You either find it hilarious or you don't. Yeah, that's it. I mean, well. Th- <laughs> now, the opening is... Uh, yeah, you know, honestly, looking at it, I was like, like it didn't feel authentic from the get go. It looked like a set, and I, I checked, and it's apparently the first film shot at the MGM Disney Studios oh, totally. in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. It looked brand spanking new. It did. Uh, you know, it didn't feel. They didn't put a filter on, on it or anything. It just didn't feel right. So straight away, I was just like, eh. they didn't even designate what city it was in. Because not really. one gang's coming from Chicago, so you're like, well, he's definitely not in Chicago. And then at one point, Marissa Tomei, who plays Sylvester Sloan's daughter, mentions about how she wants to go to the top of the Empire State Building. And I'm like, well, it we can't be in New York, or you'd have done that already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so I was just a bit off from the get-go. And uh, I, I will say, I, I did actually smile. <laughs> I didn't actually laugh once. very much. <laughs> I smiled once, Ian. <laughs> and Oscar made me smile. <laughs> and it's basically where he's he's at his father's deathbed, and his father's just like, Angelo, you're a crook. You've chosen the life of crime. My dying wish is for you to go straight. And he slaps his son around a few times. <laughs> that was so good. And then he dies. <laughs> Everyone takes their hats off in respect, and Angelo's just like, oh, no, I... I'm gonna. How can I have to change my ways? And then his dad wakes up again, gives him one huge more slap, and then dies properly this time. <laughs> yeah, but it's the way he slaps him, and he goes, and that's so you don't forget. <laughs> so I was like, that made me smile. I was like, it's Kirk Douglas. It's Spartacus. It's Spartacus. That's so you won't forget. Now, apparently, uh, according to Sylvester Stallone, they did that scene. Yeah. And then he, t- he turned to Kirk Douglas, who they had a massive falling out wow. uh, on Rambo, First Blood. Wow. Because Kirk Douglas was the original casting for Troutman. Oh, right. Okay. And they had a huge falling out of whether Rambo should live or die at the end. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He ended up being recast, and uh, we know. Yeah. So it's interesting to have the two of them here. And he told Kirk Douglas in Oscar, in this scene, to slap him for real. Right, yeah. Sylvester Stallone said he'd gone to regret that decision because obviously <laughs> he wasn't expecting a full-blown slap from Spartacus. <laughs> so it's actually a real slap. So I was like, yeah, yeah that worked. <laughs> well, actually, a bit of trivia for you. Oh. Did you notice one of the actors as part of the gang? Obviously, we've got uh, Chaz... Uh, Parliamentary, who plays Connie, one of the big guys. Uh, we've got uh, Peter Rygart, who plays Aldo. But we also have Paul Greco, who plays Schemer. And he's the guy with the weird little eye. Did you yeah. recognise him? I did, yes. The orphans from The Warriors. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this film has a star-studded cast from yes. top to bottom. Even some of the extras you'll recognise as they would go on to bigger things after this. Uh, and it is... It is impressive, and it is it is cool when you see faces pop up that you maybe don't expect. Yeah. Like Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? Get back in the room! Well, I, I mean, i got to say, like, at the same time, I mean, it's directed by John Landis, and we know that John Landis can do comedies. He's been doing them since, like, the 70s with the Animal House movie. But at the same time, you know, before everybody starts burning... 
pitchforks and whatnot in the comments section to say that he shouldn't be making movies after the Twilight Zone. Yes, you're kind of right. Um, you know, that's whatever things happen and he's continued to make this movie. And so that's all I was going to take it back to what you were saying about like the comedy in this movie and the actors like, like John Landis is good air quotes. Um, but like sometimes it's, it's really down to the actors and the actresses to really try to make those jokes that have been written deliver, you know, and like you said, some of it just didn't deliver and maybe it wasn't their delivery but it was possibly his writing because I mean, this is like an hour and 50 minutes. Oh yeah. This, this is like way too long, way too fucking long. Well, it is, like I said, it was based on a French play. Right. Right. And uh, I do think that the screenwriters for this did an admirable job condensing it down. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would have liked this film to have been at least half an hour shorter than it was. Well, they were going to get Al Pacino in for snaps. But he turned it down. And then when they got Sylvester Sloan in, he actually wanted to do it in its natural French. And I was just like, that's, you know, kudos to Stallone to actually say, hey, look, guys, like, I'm happy to do this role, but this is what I'd like to do to try to make my character a little bit more. Um, after the, after Kirk Douglas dies, uh, we cut to the, the house and it's pretty much a day in the life of Angelo. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And pretty the, much. the film rarely leaves this house now no, which was for the rest surprised. of the film. Occasionally it will cut to Kurtwood Smith and his cronies <laughs> yeah. across the street that are spying on them. Clarence Boniker is a cop trying to stop Rocky. <laughs> well, spoilers, it all goes south and then he becomes a crook after this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got Art Lafleur as well as one of his buddies. And uh, yeah, they're, they're watching the house because they've heard that Angelo is going to go straight, but they don't believe him. Um, you know, they, they just want the evidence to try to catch him doing something bad so then they can arrest him. And you've also got um, Five Spot Charlie, played by Eddie Bracken, who I recognize as the toy shop owner from Home Alone 2, who, I mean, yeah, that, those sequences did drag out with his stutter trying to, tell uh trying to give more information to this other gang boss who uh bit of trivia there as well the manicurist he's got there in the sequence is the girl who does the voice for harley quinn from the animated series of batman nice yeah <laughs> you know, and you can kind of hear when she's like is there anything more you want i'm like pudding is that what you want <laughs> i finished your nails is there anything else i can do huh um, but Five Smart Charlie, he's going around, he's giving information to this gang boss, he's giving information to um, the cops as well, that uh, Snaps is planning on meeting this big gang from Chicago soon, and so, you know, if you want to stop him from gaining power. But what they don't know, and what Five Smart Charlie might know, or he might have got wrong, is that Angelo is actually trying to meet a bunch of uh, bank directors. One of them played by Willem Atherton from fucking Die Hard, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, and, and this is Angelo's plan of going straight. If he gives money to the bankers, they'll let him onto the board and then at least he can take his business legitimately. But the bankers don't want this type of riffraff among them, but they're happy to take his money. Um, but it, that, that's like an hour fucking away. We've got, <laughs> we've got to go with Anthony, who is the accountant 
uh, for snaps and he turns up at the house immediately. Aldo lets him in. I love the fact that Peter Rygar spent most of his scenes just chewing that cigar. Yeah, he never smokes it, does he? No, he's, he's just, just chewing, chewing on it. <laughs> and he's so quick with his witty snaps as well. He is really fantastic. He is honestly the highlight of this film from the way that he opens the door, from the way he throws the, the hats <laughs> on the hooks without even looking. You know, the way he carries himself, the way he delivers himself, I'm like, he is absolutely nailed yeah. the the gangster parody. You know, it's not over the top. It's not half-baked. He is just perfect. He is pitch perfect in his timings, his delivery, his expressions. Why and I order. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, and so whenever he was on screen, whoever he was interacting with, he made those scenes really, really work. Really enjoyed yeah. his performance in this. And yeah, so Anthony's been brought in to uh, to see Angelo early because Angelo doesn't like being woken up before nine o'clock. <laughs> and uh, he ends up telling him that he wants to marry his daughter. Yeah. He goes through this whole song and dance. Like I said, it, this was a stage play. So there's a whole song and dance where he eventually reveals that it's Angelo's daughter that he wishes to marry. Yeah. And that he's also fleeced Angelo out of $50,000 <laughs> of his own money yeah. by nickel and diming and playing with the books but he also wants to give the money back to show that he's not a money grabber um and so and it gets more and more convoluted as he goes he wants a pay upgrade as well because he only makes fourteen hundred dollars instead of the 400 he's currently on (laughs) because because he wants to give angelo's daughter the best upbringing that she can because obviously she's been used to this certain way of life and then Angelo's just like, well, where'd you get 50 grand from? Well, I've been fleecing it from you. So Angelo's so pissed off. And he's like, all of his gangster buddies, Chaz and Aldo, they whip out guns. They're ready to shoot Anthony. And he's like, we're not doing that, okay? We're, we're changing our ways. But then we get introduced to Teresa, who is uh, the, the girl that, and it, like Gary said, it kind of gets a little bit convoluted. But by the end of the movie, it all kind of works itself out. This this girl, Teresa, she is the girl that Anthony is actually admitted to that he's in love with. And so Teresa lied to Anthony that her father was Angelo. And so she comes to Angelo and says, look, I'm really sorry. I was a bit nervous. I was taken back by him fancying me. Um, I told him you were my dad. But we'd already had the conversation between Sylvester Sloan and Marissa Tomei, who is actually Angelo's daughter, where he's just like, you're in love with this guy, you're in love. And we don't actually realize, but the title of the movie is Oscar. You don't ever fucking see Oscar throughout the movie until the very end. (laughs) He was the chauffeur and he's the one who kind of got with Angelo's actual daughter, Marissa Tomei. And so they have this whole thing back and forth. And it's just like, hold on a minute. So actually, it's not Lisa that Anthony's in love with. He's in love with Teresa, who's lied that Angelo is her dad. And he wants to give the money to Angelo to show that he's actually ready to, to settle down with her. But actually, she did, Teresa doesn't have any money. So Angelo's trying to get this money back. But at the same time, the money's been turned into jewels. <laughs> so the jewels go missing at one point. And then you find out that Anthony stole another 50 grand from some other company. So you got three bags going all over the place. It's fucking crazy.
this is way too long for fucking 50 minutes. I'm. It, it's all of this that was really grating. Like the first 20 minutes, like the after the opening scene and then all the scenes with him with breakfast, with him with Anthony, then him with his daughter. And yeah. I gotta say, uh, Marissa Tomei is an absolutely lovely actress. Yeah. But she annoyed the <laughs> piss out of me in this film. Man, you haven't seen my cousin Vinny for a while, have you? Because she's not. fucking well annoying in that. <laughs> she's really great. It's like, it's like the temper tantrum she throws on the bed for her dad. <laughs> I'm just like, why is this scene? Like, I, oh, it's awful to watch. Uh, I love it. I, I know she's play acting because the moment he goes out the door, she stops. Yeah. But I'm just like, this is so annoying. But of course, it goes through the whole rigmarole of like, you know, you've basically impressed prisoned me in here the maid's just like well it's not a bad prison really is it I mean I'm leaving um, <laughs> oh God, and she's man. like I want to leave I want to see the world but Oscar's been taken away from me and uh, and then she ends up being told to fabricate the story of being pregnant <laughs> yeah. so she ends up telling her dad Angela actually I'm pregnant and so he's already met Anthony who now he blames Anthony for impregnating his daughter and asking for a raise and fleecing him twice <laughs> yeah. so he's just uh, so this is where all, all miscommunication <laughs> is the the joke of this movie and like i get it like the, uh, you know a miscommunication or a misunderstanding here and there yeah leads to all of these circumstances happening and but that is all this film is and it's all about people not understanding what the other person is saying and then for about an hour of the film like you mentioned, yeah. we are following the bags and yeah. nobody knows where the real bag is or when they do, you know, it's at an awkward moment where they turn the bag up and expecting diamonds to fall out yeah. and it's ladies' underwear. Yeah, because the maid is the maid has fallen in love with uh un, oh, is it Underwood or Bruce Jimmy. Underwood, Jimmy Underwood. It's some guy that Angela was gonna get to marry Lisa before she actually ended up getting with Oscar. But the maid has ended up falling in love with him and she's planning on leaving him, but when she leaves, and it's so blatant. I mean, yeah, if you've seen enough comedies, you can see what's going to happen in advance. That the bag she has is the exact same bag that they are carrying the jewels and the money in later on. And so when she puts the bag down, her bag of the underwear, she picks up the bag of money, goes off, realizes she's got all the money. Then she ends up spending it and coming back and trading the bag again. And Aldo then ends up trading the bag another time when Connie's not actually paying attention to it. And so this whole time... I, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, and that's why they call it a screwball comedy because it is, it's yeah. just screwy scenes. It's like how ridiculous characters scene. interact with each other in ridiculous, in, you know, scenarios. And, and I think I read somewhere like this was like during the time in, in, in movies, just toward maybe the, the mid eighties, they did a lot of them like that. Like the great outdoors is like a bit of a screwball comedy as well, isn't it? You know, with John Candy. And so, and the, the blues brothers, you could also consider as well. So, you know, John Lannis is just kind of taking the same motif for his movies, but I, I honestly don't remember any more screwball comedies after this movie. Like, America, it was American Pie, a screwball comedy. Well, it's kind of like, Porky's uh, no, those are, well, there's a separate genre Ex for those. Exactly. So like this one felt like it was coming just to the end of that era of, of these comedies, but it does sit in that time. So that's kind of why it didn't maybe do as well in the cinema when it first came out. Cause I don't remember anybody coming up to me after I watched Demolition Man and Judge Dredd going, Hey, watch Oscar. You <laughs> love it. You like Stallone, you know? I mean, this movie's definitely better than Rocky Five. No. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely better than Rocky Five. Easily better than Rocky Five. But, but like I said, we're, we're, we're following just Stallone, just run around trying to deal with all these situations. Cause 
in his mind, he just wants to fulfill the promise by his dad, Kirk Douglas, that he just wants to meet these bankers and go straight. But at the moment, he's got a possibly a pregnant daughter. He's got an accountant who's been fleecing money off him. He's got a girl who's in love with the accountant, but she thinks that he actually only wants her with her money as well. And so she ends up leaving at one point. Introduce Tim Curry. Come on in, a boss been expecting you. <laughs> Albert, did you realize what you just did? What? You used the past participle without a modifier. Oh, man. <laughs> now, oh, you, no. can, you cannot go wrong with a movie with Tim Curry in it. I like The Shadow. He does steal every scene he's in in this yes, film. He's, he's really, really enigmatic and strange and uh, funny. He's... And he is uh, a, basically a, a voice coach, a speech yes, coach yes. for these ex-mafia gangsters. And yeah. he's trying to get them to pronunciate their words clearly so that Angelo can, and his mobsters can pass as bankers. Yeah. Um, and But he ends up getting pulled in because he basically wants to build up his own foundation and his own school. And Angelo's like, well, marry my daughter and I will give you the $50,000 to get you started. Well, it comes he from, gets roped into the whole... Yeah, because it comes from Anthony. Anthony, try, Anthony gets shoved in front of Lisa that they're going to get married because obviously the whole confusion there. And, he, and he's not... He, he doesn't fancy her because he's in love with Teresa. But when Lisa mentions that she wants to go around the world in different places after having a conversation with Tim Curry and realising Tim Curry's going to exactly do that... He tries to play love matcher and get the two of them together. And so it is kind of nice watching that relationship blossom between Marissa Tomei and Tim Curry because, I mean, Tim Curry's fucking lovely. I don't, I, I'm not fucking afraid to say how much I love Tim Curry. And I in no way are fucking afraid to say how much I love Marissa Tomei. So when I'm watching these two in this sequence, talking about the different things like like the way she goes i've been locked up in this house by my dad for so long and then he's like well i've been kind of the same with mother as well and you just know there's a mum at home waiting for tim curry to come back <laughs> i mean talking about mums ornella muti from flash gordon plays sophia provolone and when she walks in she just starts fucking screaming the house down and i'll admit there was some of those sequences i was just like oh man it could have not done with that but you needed you needed the wife character for for snaps yeah i just say I, I, my favorite scene with her is the scene with angelo and the priest oh who turns up donna menchie from it, cocoon yes. yes and uh he just has this more and more confused look on his face <laughs> as they're just like we're here you're gonna marry my daughter and it's like who to oscar no to anthony no not anthony to tim curry it's like well she got around fast is she yeah. pregnant is she not pregnant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But she's young. Someday she'll find the right one. She's found the right one. Who? Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul? Hello? I, I mean, i got to bring up as well the Fenucci's. Oh, with, the, the suit makers. The suit makers with Harry Shearer and Martin Ferrero. Did you, did you recognise Martin Ferrero? Ish. The accountant from Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> Man, they were just so great together. Because, I mean, it was so stupid. They're trying to make this suit for, for uh, Snaps, you know, and they show him this little paper clipping of a suit that they've made for a gangster who's been killed. And they're like, look, we're in the paper. And it's just so nice watching Harry Shearer and Martin Ferrero kind of bounce back and forth as these Fenucci brothers. But then they get roped in as well because Angelo kind of convinces Anthony that they're hitmen. And so when they have that whole sequence with the piano, which was just fucking brilliant to watch. And 
they come over and they're like, oh, yes, we do you as well. We do like six or seven a day. And he's just like, what? Still thinking that they're assassins. And he's they're like, yeah, look at our newspaper clipping. So when he sees it, they're, he's like, oh, fuck, they killed this guy. <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, and we'll do you too, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> no one will recognize you. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, the script and the wordplay was actually quite clever. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was a, like I said, it was, the, the, the scenes were fine. I just, yeah, I didn't, just didn't laugh. I was just like, it's all... Like misunderstanding, yeah, yeah, it's fine. yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, like, I was already tired. Like, tired. yeah, even though I actually wrote that scene down as a favorite scene, it was just like, it's fine. But that was it. I mean, you you'd have to enter this movie, I suppose, in in either wanting a comedy to lift your spirits up. Because I'll admit, I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling it when I sat down to watch it. But as I'm getting into it, I'm like, man, I'm kind of just enjoying watching Sylvester Stallone run around and do something other than punch people in the face or kick people's heads off like in Demolition Man. You know, I'm enjoying watching Chaz Parliamentary, you know, Connie, you know, be a goofball and not the badass gangster that I see him in in Bronx Tale or the badass cop in Usual Suspects. You know, just watching these little sequences go around... It was way too long. And so by about, what, the the hour 20, hour 30 minute, I was like, man, I really want this to, to end, but I've still got like fucking 20 minutes to go. What more to go? Because Kurtwood Smith has got everybody involved now. He's asked for a warrant. He's got the press. He is ready to come down on Angelo like a fucking ton of bricks. And Five Spot Charlie's already told the, the other mob boss that the 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 Chicago gangs turned up, but it's actually the bankers that have turned up. And when the maid left the house as well, Sophia had ordered another maid from the, the recruitment agency. And so when the maid turns up, Roxanne, she, she explains to Angelo that actually she used to work for a mob boss a few years ago. And it t- turns out that Angelo was the driver for this mob boss. And so that Roxanne was his first. He'd slept with her and she'd got pregnant and had to go into a convent because that's where unwed mothers went. And she gave birth to a kid. And lo and behold, her kid is <laughs> Teresa, who's in love with Anthony. So it actually turns out that... So actually, his non-daughter daughter was actually his, his daughter. daughter. Well, of course, this uh, upset the wife greatly. So you're sleeping with the new nanny? We haven't even heard her yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's the way that he go. He turns to Aldo. He's like, go get the champagne. So he goes out and then the bankers come in and Aldo comes up with the champagne and snaps. He's like, what are you doing with that? Don't you realize there's a prohibition going on? Aldo's just like, what do you think paid for this house? <laughs> Aldo, I'm shocked. You know liquor's against the law. Didn't you ever hear of prohibition? Height of it. What do you think paid for this house? Ixnade Uzbek. Anchors big. He was great. He was, <laughs> he was really great. But the bankers all sit down and they start to have this last deal. You know, they've written up a, a contract and with Anthony there, the accountant, he looks over the contract and goes, look, you don't want to sign this. Basically, they plan on taking your money, putting you on the board, but not giving you a vote. And so then William Afford turned fucking, you know, the man with no dick, um, tries to explain in a really, really nice way to uh, Stallone like look you'll be a silent partner don't worry about it and you can see that Angelo is just like man I've dealt with what well, I've dealt with gun runners I've dealt with the cops I've dealt with all these horrible people you bankers fucking scare me <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah this is 1991 we were fucking we didn't like bankers then 
But Kurtwood Smith, he's decided to raid the place now because he thinks the gang's there. So he comes rushing in. Guns and press everywhere. Cameras all over this black bag as he's getting ready to open it. Well, he's pointing at each one of the bank directors, isn't he? And he's like, that's so-and-so from the Chicago gang. And that's so-and-so. And you're like, no, no, you're, you're totally, <laughs> totally gonna, wrong. You're totally wrong. You're going to lose your job. And Angelo had, yeah, he'd, he'd gone through like three or four misunderstandings with the bag. And so one moment it's jewels, next minute it's underwear, next minute it's money, next minute it's underwear. And it's been driving him crazy throughout the movie. So then when finally Kurtwood Smith has got the bag, he's like, look at all this, I've got the evidence. And he opens it onto the table and it's women's underwear. And so in a way you're kind of relieved because Angelo's relieved because actually the cops are wrong. Look, these are bank, these are bankers. He's gone legit. He's gone legit. There's no, there's no money in the bag. And so when Kurtwood Smith goes outside and tries to leave because he's being chased by the press, he runs his car or accidentally runs into the gang that we'd seen from the beginning who were planning on coming up and doing a drive-by with Tommy guns. And so in a way, he, he gets his guy. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Not the guy that he's after, <laughs> but he, he gets his Cause guy. Because the other guy here all sat in the car all confused like, how did <laughs> yeah, this happen? How did this happen? <sighs> and so then, then Angelo decides that he's not joining the bank. He's going to help his two daughters get married. And so you finally, when you get to the church and you've got, you know, uh, the priest Donamechi for, um, doing the ceremony, finally Oscar turns up and walks in. <laughs> but Angelo has gone back to his old ways and he's like, boys. Yeah. <laughs> carry him out. <laughs> Apparently that was the screenwriter uh, for the film as well. And oh, his right. only on screen film appearance. Nice. <laughs> Bye Oscar. Bye Oscar. <laughs> I'm Oscar. Get rid of him. Expeditiously. You got it. <laughs> that, that that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Happy happy two weddings to end the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you t- standard comedy ending, really. Well, it's gonna have a happy ending. I mean, like it just like where was it gonna go? It, but yeah, like I mean, <laughs> other than if Angelo had, like, I was expecting a big shootout outside the front of the house. I'm like, is this going to end up with Angelo <laughs> getting gunned down, like in fucking Scarface or something? You know, or is he going to go to prison? You know, is he going to get arrested? But actually, seeing him there in the church with his two daughters, going back because he even looks up, doesn't he, and says, "Well, Dad, I tried." Yeah, and I'm like, he did. He did. He did for an hour and fifty fucking minutes. He I tried. know. <laughs> Ian, do you have any favourite scenes from Oscar? I did. I had a few. Oh, no. Kirk Douglas slapping Stallone. Like, the first slap and second slap I predicted, but the third slap when he came back to life and was like, that's just so you don't forget. I was like, I'm not going to forget that slap. I mean, the hat throw, pretty much any sequence with Aldo in, pretty much any sequence with Chaz, Connie in, you know, they just... I, 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 I get what you mean, you know, they... They've gone on to play better roles. They've done better roles, but they just worked with Stallone and Stallone kind of worked with them. And I could have just watched them have more fun bouncing around. I mean, that point where he pulled the chicken leg out instead of the gun. Because he'd already disarmed him <laughs> earlier. Man, that was another fucking favourite scene. It's yeah. just like, hand over your guns and Chad's Parliamentary is just fucking dropping weapon after weapon. And you're looking at Stallone's face like, Especially when he pulls out the mace, the dynamite with the clock still ticking. The poison. The poison, yeah. It's just like it's worse than disarming Germany. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, movie. (laughs) 
when Stallone goes in to see Marissa Tomei and he's talking to her about um, who she's been sleeping with and she just says, I'm a 1930s girl, daddy, look. And she kind of opens up her top and he's like, look, I'm your dad. Don't fucking show me that shit. I'm like, I want to look. I want to look. Life's a funny thing. These strange things happen, you know, when he's trying to sign the contract and you know, he's signing this contract with Anthony that, Anthony will marry his daughter, who he knows isn't really his daughter at this point, but he'll get the money off of him so that he doesn't lose the 50 grand. And so they're right in these contracts. And you can see Stallone's eyes, like, just trying to get Anthony to do it so he doesn't have to do it himself, but then they've got to try to exchange these papers. It just was just so stupid. <laughs> when the Finucci's show Anthony that, that little paper cutting after they've played the piano as well. And like I said, it, like Gary said, it's just all miscommunication, but it was just, it flows to a way that you're like, oh, oh, oh I, I get it now. I, I get what that joke means and where that's going. Um, leading into also Tim Curry, round the rugged rocks, the rascal used to run and trying to get Stallone to do it. And so then he whips out his little notepad because he's written about gangsters, about how somebody's been gunned down and Stallone is able to, oh, you finally did something I can finally understand. <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, the priest and the wife sequence, that whole communication error. I mean, Don Amachi's face, he's like, who? What? <laughs> Where? Who? What? And you're just like, yeah, I, I don't even Try really... to keep up. Yeah. Try <laughs> to keep up. I, I'm trying to keep going as well. When Stallone was banging his head off the table, <laughs> I honestly, I, I'd had a day leading up to watching the film. And so I honestly kind of related with Stallone at that point. Like, yeah, you just wanted to smash your head <laughs> off the table. Like, what is going on? Uh, Aldo on the stairs going, why I order? I mean, it's classic, you know, classic black and white gangster comedy yeah. situations as well. When Stallone broke the fourth wall and looked at the camera, yeah, yeah. you know, I was just like, I wasn't expecting, but he looked <laughs> right at me. He looked into my soul like, you enjoying this? I'm like, I don't know, man. It felt like the film did that a few times, but that was the most obvious one. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I... The, Two two moments that I really did love, and it's Tim Curry uh, and and Connie, um, where he calls him an oxymoron. Yeah, and it's just like you're right, he is an ox and a moron, you know. And it <laughs> he, he, was it he said something about his linguistic, and and Chaz got confused thinking that his flies was undone, and he looks down yeah. and turns away. Oh, yeah, so so many fun. Sure, I, I got a couple. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I he I, cracked a smile. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> worth mentioning. <laughs> The slap, of course. <laughs> Kirk Douglas slapping him just so you don't forget. The giving up of all the weapons, like we just said, with the dynamite as well. Uh, the suit guys uh, confused as contract killers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, any scene really uh, with Peter Rygart, uh, I thought he absolutely nailed uh, all of his moments. I did also like one scene as well uh, with Connie and Angelo when Connie's just like, right, boss. I need you to actually tell me what's going on. <laughs> and he just recites it all back to him. And uh, yeah, I was just like... It, it, when they're sat there on the side channel, by side. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's like that part where he's got... He gets Angelo gets really annoyed at them. He goes, "Go stand next to your girlfriend. And so he gets chance to stand next to him. And he goes to stab and he's like... <laughs> Ian, you recommend Oscar? I fucking well do recommend it. I know, and like... Like my friend will obviously say that it's not for everybody, but I was feeling really low as I got to sit down and watch this film. And I didn't think I was going to actually get all the way through it, um, but it was just fun. 
you know, it was kind of uplifting. Each one of the actors and actresses held their character, played their part. I could watch it on stage if they did a live performance of it. I mean, Stallone, my God, am I honoured to have existed at the same time of Sylvester Stallone? I don't think I've ever said that, but I'm going to say that now because I love anything. If, if he's in something, I need to just watch it. I mean, Death Race 2000. He's, he's Machine Gun Kelly in that. Machine Gun Kelly? Machine Gun Joe, sorry. Um, he's fun in this, running around up and down the stairs, doing all these plays, trying to play all these different scenes with all these different people, carrying all these different parts. And then when it finally does pay off, I, I said this to Gary before he turned the cameras on, like a Sunday afternoon, if you've got two hours and you're just chilling in front of the TV, slap on Oscar. I had a hard time watching Oscar and I couldn't wait for the film to be over as I found it annoying and repetitive and more importantly, not funny. <laughs> I just can't recommend this film. I, I didn't like it 30 years ago and I still don't now, which surprises me as I love a lot of John Landis's work and Stallone's performances, but it did not work here for me. Comedy is always difficult to review, and for me, the premise, the set, the location, the characters, none of it interested me in the slightest. And I'll add that I tend not to like mafia gangster films all that much, so no surprise, I didn't appreciate a parody of one. The whole plot falls around way too many misunderstandings, <laughs> poor communication, and tired bag-swapping <laughs> antics. Coupled with annoying music, which was reused over and over. Yeah. Marissa Tamai was insufferable to watch, <laughs> deliberately overacted every scene. Stallone was okay, but not funny. He just shouts a lot. He's the straight guy, yes, yeah, surrounded by the crazies. I get it. It just didn't work for me. I will say, though, out of the whole cast, Peter Rygart was a standout. He nailed his part, made me smile a few times with his excellent timings, his line delivery and expressions, and it's always great to see Tim Curry enjoying his character. Yeah. Fairly memorable. So, yeah, it's not a bad film. It's really well put together. It's a decent screwball comedy that, for some, is Oscar-worthy. Yes. Or, like me, a Razzie. <laughs> In crime and comedy, timing is everything. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. What are you saying? I'm not sensitive? Uh, 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 right, please, please stop. Please stop.